prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. Welcome to another episode of Gutter Boys. Gutter Boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins, the outs, the highs, and the lows of making comics. I'm your host, JB, with my co-host, Cam. Uh, you, uh, uh. <laughs> it's been a while, folks. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> um, who did we interview for this one again? Uh, Eddie, Eddie Raymond okay. from Strangers. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, on today's episode, we're joined by Eddie from Stranger Zines to talk about his... Everything. His everything. Yeah. yeah. Stranger Zines. Before we get into that, we have some news, mentions, shout outs, and some celebrating since this is our 50th episode. Yeah, we made it. We made it. Yeah. It's been, what, two and a half years now, maybe? Yeah. It's about, yeah, two and a half. Yeah. We'll say two and a half, pretty much. Yeah, we'll just say two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still doing this, although it has been a while since we've been recording. As some of you have already known since we repeated it for a couple of episodes, <laughs> I moved and the move is now done. I'm still getting settled, but um, set up for the most part. Moving sucks. <laughs> I hate moving. Yeah, I have you, way you too had much some fucked stuff. up shit happen, you know, right before the move too. Oh, so God. Yeah. It wasn't a good experience. Yeah. Bullshit with the moving truck. Yeah, that was yeah. panic inducing. Mm. But luckily it all got sorted out and uh, now I am in Iowa. Uh, still the Midwest. I will never escape the Midwest, it seems. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice. They were saying in the Discord that if you want to make comics, the best place to live is the Midwest because of the living costs. And I agree with that. I could see that. Yeah. 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 Especially in Ohio. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know MS was telling us about all of her reasons why she moved out to... Uh, She's in Columbus. Columbus. Yes. Okay. So yeah, Columbus is like super affordable, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is nice. MS is trying to uh, get a Labor Day cartoonist retreat going on. I don't know if you saw that. Today. I did see that. I did yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told her I'd be down. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what, September? I think that's yeah. like September 5th or 6th. Yeah. yeah. First weekend of September, usually last weekend of August, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. How are you going to, are you going to bring your tablet or a computer? Like uh, how- no. You know what I'm going to do? I've been wanting to go back to uh, having real pages anyways, so uh, maybe I'm actually been working on a lot of shit recently, but and I haven't started it yet, but I'm doing uh, a book with Really Easy in the fall, winter, and um, I was thinking of uh, doing my like pencils digitally and then getting a light box and like inking pages traditionally. So, you know, that'd just be more of a reason to experiment with that book if I uh, took the shit out there to work on it. So nice. So you'd just be bringing pencils. 
pencils and yeah i would just like you know some micron pens and everything and ink some pages yeah if i yeah yeah do you have a light box i have one if you need it no but i need to buy one anyways because i was thinking about uh jumping over to this uh process just to get originals anyways gotcha so yeah we'll see you know i know we got to get a we got to get a lot of people on board and you know we'll see we'll see if it happens but um i'm in or I could bring the iPad. I'm about to buy an iPad, actually. Oh, that's the move, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I can just bring the iPad. But I still want to do originals, though. You know, like there's something to that, I think. And there's a there's a market for them, you know, hopefully. Yeah, I would say so. All right. So let's get into some shout outs. Yeah. So, you know, as always, if you want to mail us uh, your comics, we will gladly take a look at them. We uh, encourage you to do so. We love getting stuff from our listeners and uh, friends. If you send us something, we'll shout you out on the show. Just DM the show account for our addresses or, you know, just uh, DM one of us. We'll get hooked up. But uh, from across the pond, Jordan Barry Brown at Illstrips on Instagram sent us issues one and two of Cosmic Slop along with some uh, really cool stickers. And um, I'm about to send JB his copies. He's, uh, you know, stationed in Iowa now, so he has a permanent address but anything that was sent to us for jb i have and i'll be sending out to him so yeah but we do want to thank you jordan the uh comics look great dude yeah i've been enjoying uh, the stuff he's been posting on his instagram so i'm looking forward to finally reading the issues yeah there's so many like uh especially in that first issue um you know i don't want to give you any kind of spoilers or anything but he uh is doing all kinds of stuff like art wise like just different techniques and stuff that it almost doesn't look like it's from the same cartoonist and it's uh, really impressive so yeah i'm a fan i know the second issue just came out so whenever you get the third one done or whatever's next you know i'm on board for it dude hell yeah Alrighty. Also, just want to give a shout out over to our friend and previous guest of the show, Caroline Cash. The second printing of Girl in the World is available from Silver Sprocket. And this printing, I'm actually going to probably upgrade my copy to support Caroline and Silver Sprocket. But also, uh, you know, I was talking to Caroline and they'd mentioned to me that uh, this printing is, you know, everything that they wished they would have done after getting the first printing. You know, as an artist or, you know, a cartoonist, you always wish you can go back and do things differently. And uh, I guess this is one of those things as far as packaging wise with this comic because it is a little smaller it's seven by nine so it's not nearly as large as the uh, first printing and then the uh, if i'm not mistaken i believe the inside stock is uh, newsprint and there's definitely some spot gloss on the cover so it's a really nice addition uh you know the book's been out of print for a while but it is back and uh you know i think we talked about it on here and i know i for sure posted about it but it was definitely one of my favorite comics of the year when it came out in 2019 yeah, same here. I'm looking forward to the director's cut. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Caroline's uh, sent over some pages from their story in Gutter Mag, and uh, it's looking really, really, really nice. So awesome. always, yeah, excited to see work from Caroline. And, uh, you know, Silver Sprocket continues to put out work from good cartoonists. So keep that batting average up, Bobby. Hell yeah. Yeah, I still got to work on my Gutter Magazine pages. Yeah, I believe as of right now, we're going to launch in the middle of the month, so we're not hitting anybody around rent time. But as of right now, everybody's uh, supposed to be turned in by mid-June so we can launch the Kickstarter. Oh, also, shameless plug, uh, when you guys hear this, it's going to be Monday. So I've put up the Goku and Nancy manga t-shirts for sale because people always bothered me about them. So I, I brought them back for the summer. They've been on sale for like a week, uh, sold quite a few of them. So thank you if you've purchased one already. And uh, if not, yeah, you got about a week to get them. And then uh, once the LVAC gets them printed up, I'll have them shipped out to you. Uh, nice. You can get them yeah, on my big cartel at camdelrosario.bigcartel.com. Very, very good. Very good. Oh, also, shout out to a previous guest, Aubrey Sitterson. If you're listening to this on the air date of Monday, two more days left to go and support his Kickstarter for Stoned Master. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so if you haven't yet, go check that out. Throw some dollars their way. Uh, it's looking to be a very, very fun book. Yeah, I uh, threw $10 to back it and get a physical copy. So, uh, I, it looks like it's almost funded. So, I think yeah. it should get there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'd, I'd assume that by the time people actually hear us talking about this- It'll be funded. It'll be funded, yeah. yeah I'm hoping at least. It's, it's knocking right on the door of being funded. So, it's it's fine. If you uh, subscribe to our Patreon, you know, we got into uh, distribution talk pretty heavily on the last Patreon episode. However, you know, bringing up another avenue and uh, purveyor of comics distribution, there's this new company called Bad Idea that's out. And I I don't know anything about the owner. Do you know anything about the owners of Bad Idea, who they are or where they came from? No, I've heard the name kicked around before, but it escapes me right now. Yeah, so I'm assuming these people have been in the business because Bad Idea, essentially, just for those that aren't aware, it's a comics company that is, in my understanding, anti-speculator and pro-comic shop. However, because of the model and approach they've taken to getting their comics into stores, it actually drives the speculator market up. So in... (laughs) So pretty much what they've done is they've signed up some pretty heavy hitters. You know, previous guest friend of the show, Ramon Villalobos is there. David Lapham is there. Uh, that guy, Matt Kent, who's uh, just did the NFT is there. But they've got like a, a pretty solid roster of like creators that have like worked in the big two and at image, I feel like. But they're essentially, from what I heard, taking care of the creators. So A plus in my book for that. But their model is you have to apply to be a retailer that carries the product and the board of bad idea whoever you know sits there or makes these decisions decides like if your store is like i guess worthy or not of carrying this product and if you end up getting you know on this list bad idea has made it to where you have to follow their rules like you can only sell their books for 30 days past the street date it has to be sold at cover price one per customer and they're very strict about this if they find out that somebody's violating the rules they kick you off of their distribution list and you can't carry the product anymore and there's like hundreds of stores waiting to get this product. So it's this really weird niche thing that we haven't seen before that's almost like gatekeeper-ish on the surface and people are upset about it. But also, they're doing cool things Like uh, yesterday, when we're recording this, it's Thursday. So they did a special David Lapham comic about like a detective who uh, works for a pizza company. And it was a dollar and it was only able to be sold yesterday. So, yeah. So like they do weird little secret drops like that. And you have to send back the product like if you don't sell it. But a lot of people are mad about it because it makes it really hard to get. And if you look at these books on eBay, they're like, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50, uh, sometimes even more if it's a first printing. Oh, that's another thing they do. So there's no variant covers and you can only get if you're a shop whatever you order of the first issue or the second issue like the previous issues order total is what you get of the next month so it keeps stores from like ordering you know 100 copies of number one and 10 of number two like you have to match your orders so it's good for comics and getting the creators paid in that way i'm sure but yeah apparently they're just really hard to get and it's a shit show because like all the speculators are trying to get them (laughs) and the only difference like the covers are the same the only difference between the printings is it just says not first printing Hmm. on the back on the barcode i see so like they look identical and your first printing just doesn't say not first printing on it i see what they were trying to do But I feel like it's almost like blown up in a way, but I still think it's cool. From a customer side of things, like I can see it being a nightmare and really fucking annoying, especially if you're like in a rural place, uh, you know, and only have like a comic shop that, you know, isn't going to be, I guess, prestigious enough to get on this list. So, like, I do feel like it's alienating, but, you know, also it's it's cool and it's new. 
And I'm assuming the creators are getting better deals out of it as well. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I can understand what they're trying to do. Uh, it is kind of an evil necessity at this point. And I can't be too surprised that the speculators are reacting to this this way. I mean, I don't know. I feel, I feel like this was expected, right? Yeah, totally. And I'd imagine the people at Bad Idea also expected this too. That's got to like, be why uh, like the one per customer, like that comes directly from the publisher. And if you get two copies and you tag them in a picture, they're going to question you. Like, Right, right. I sent a picture that I got some in the group chat to Ramon. Ramon was like, did you get two copies? What's your shop? And like was <laughs> being a cop about it. <laughs> I mean, the other thing too is like, uh, I understand why speculator market and variant covers and all that exists. It's because for the most part, these shops will use those things as a way to pay the bills. You know, like not many people are going to comic stores even before the pandemic. Once the pandemic kicked in, it was almost the death knell of comic retailers. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's good that someone's trying something out and trying to, I don't know, buck the system, change the status quo a bit. I guess time will tell to see how this plays out. And if publishers will see this as a positive example, obviously right now, no, they won't (laughs) see this as a positive example. (laughs) But later down the road, as people become more accustomed to this, as the speculators kind of calm down a bit and move on to their usual products that they're trying to pick up, hopefully this will come out as a net positive. But we don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I did see. And this is like some true fucking dork shit. No offense, bad idea. But they (laughs) they give these like gold pins, like uh, like buttons that are like three inches. And they say first customer. And if you're like the first person in line at your bad idea designated shop that buys each book, you get one of these gold buttons. And it's like, could you just imagine the shame? Because you're probably having to line up at this right. point yeah. <laughs> to get this button. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Just the shame of a, a shiny gold button. <laughs> just <laughs> wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, they've got some cool creators involved and uh, they're doing cool stuff. Like I've been checking out the books. Because I just have them getting pulled for me at the comic shop. I was literally just going to speculate on them and flip them. Uh, (laughs) But there's like they do cool (laughs) shit like, uh, you know, there's like this really it's not for me. There's this book called ENIAC that they did that Matt Kent's doing. And it's just not for me. But the backup stories in each issue is like an eight page David Lapham story, which is totally different art wise and tone wise. So and then apparently they did like a book about like a whale. And like the backup story was like Tony Millionaire, who's like the underground sock monkey cartoon guy so it's like they're doing these weird pairings of like stories like i feel like trying to marry that concept of like mainstream and alternative comics and then also the back cover of each one is just like random artists drawing the word bad idea but in different scenes and stuff and they're apparently they're commissioning those out to just random artists so i do like the approach they're trying to give a bunch of artists gigs on the books too uh, but yeah, like you said, time will tell on if this is successful or if it's like something like the roots of something that could be turned into something more successful. Yeah. Oh, and then also the day of this recording, May 13th, uh, tomorrow it is Cam's birthday. Yeah. Damn. Oh, boy. 32. Woo. Are you excited? Uh, No, I mean, no. It's just another <laughs> day at this point, man. You know, like, yeah. I know that's like a cliche thing to say, but I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah. You do anything special, though? No, I mean, I might go get takeout from my favorite Vietnamese place. And uh, nice, nice. Uh, Alicia bought me an ice cream cake earlier in the week. So, you know, 
it's been cool. Oh, shout out to Alicia. Yeah. Shout oh, out to all you. the you know, supportive I'll thank you on the air, actually. I should have done that off the air, but uh, JB sent me some really nice toys, and I was actually genuinely surprised. Uh, I actually think I made Alicia a little upset <laughs> when I was expressing <laughs> how surprised I was, because I was like... You know, this is like the most surprised I've been because I genuinely wasn't expecting it. Like you, you get me a present. I expect it. I was like, but it's Sunday. Mail doesn't run. UPS just comes with this box of shit. And I've got a New Japan figure like this is a true surprise. And (laughs) I'm just like putting over this gesture so much that I just see the look on her face. It just slowly change. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for the present, by the way. And uh, hey, you're welcome. Yeah. I'm glad I can be the root cause of any argument <laughs> in, in, in any relationship. So thank you for that. Yeah, this is some like true Larry David shit. Like I didn't read the room and I just kept going on and on. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you do nice stuff too, but this is something else. Yeah. I mean, this is like another level. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You also got like a little spam Funko Pop. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. I figured that would be right up your fucking alley. Yeah, I love uh, spam and, you know, the Funko stuff of uh, what I like. So, it was pretty there you cool. Go. Yeah. Perfect. Totally. Uh, now, I wasn't here in the group chat because I've been busy moving, but there was some talk over a uh, recent tweet from Lightbox underscore info. That's at Lightbox underscore info. They tweeted, just got word from Mission Control. We are Code Pineapple. Apparently, it's time. Time for another look at the data. Today, we'll see what the going rates for covers are these days, as submitted to us by 218.21, a thread. So, in this thread, they go over cover rates across the board in the industry, basically outline what the median going rate is for these things and uh, how much people are getting paid for their work. Now, uh, this has been met with mixed reaction. Uh, Some people are supportive of this idea. They believe that there should be more transparency. People should be more open to the idea of discussing their rates, how much they're getting paid. And then there's others, mostly I would say in the big two, uh, that are vehemently against this because they see this as uh, something that will detract or remove any power that they have when discussing rates with editors. Uh, So, they, they lose a bit of the upper hand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I can understand that. But uh, the way I see it is the reason why they're so mad about that is because they're freelance. Right. They they have no guarantees. They have no benefits. There's no annual increase in their pay the way it would be with a salary. Uh, So, you're pretty much on your own. It's just, it's basically just a bunch of rats in a small enclosure, biting and chewing at each other frantically. Yeah. And that's pretty much what freelance is. Fighting over crumbs. <laughs> fighting over crumbs <laughs> yeah. and just like eating each other. And uh, we're seeing that with this discussion. Uh, it's a real sad state of affairs. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of explain, you know, if you haven't seen the post, to explain what it was is they posted these like infographs. And um, what started the the discourse, I guess, off on a negative foot was, you know, just kind of cover the three things that were touched on in their research. The book cover uh, on the low end was $640 with the high end reported being 500 with an average of $2,200 as like pay to do like art for a book cover. A magazine cover had a low of $150 reported with a high of $4,700 with an average of uh, $1,600 reported. And comics, surprise, surprise, had a low of 150 and a high of 300 with an average of $232. Now, a lot of people were uh, critical of this. And when I say a lot of people, to be completely fair, it was not really indie comics people that were upset about this. It was big two people, image people, 
And like JB said, I understand totally where they're coming from and that they want negotiating and leveraging power when trying to get themselves a deal. Uh, If anything, that's just indicative of a bigger problem at hand that we need a union and we need some kind of guild for cartoonists to be in. But the way we get there is by being transparent about these rates. But the criticism that the creators that were against this transparency of pay scale and comics, they were saying that the data was skewed and the Lightbox place did tweet that the sample size was 11 people. So that is a very small sample size. I know for a fact people get paid more than $300 for a cover at the big two. Right. But how's an artist that's just starting up in comics to know that? And that's why I personally believe that we should be transparent about what we're making. You know, if you yeah. if you look up like Indeed or, you know, what are those other job sites, whatever the fuck they are, like you can look up corporations and companies and see what the average salary of an employee is there. And there's no reason that DC and Marvel should be off the hook for that. You know, like I do see wanting to protect, you know, what you have, but, you know, it would be very beneficial if this information was willingly, uh, you know, given and available to everyone. Yeah, I, I agree. We talked about this a bit off air, but there was a similar collection of data that was posted about four years ago, maybe five, basically outlining similar figures and just showing you at that time when that survey had taken place, uh, they provided you with just a list of numbers of how much people were getting paid from job to job. And well, one thing that I did notice comparing these numbers with the the report from a few years back is that the dollar amount hasn't really changed much. Like, it's actually kind of jarring that those numbers haven't changed. Obviously, like Cam had mentioned, those numbers don't completely reflect the entire industry by and large because there are people that are getting paid more and less than what they're listing. Uh, which is why it is important that this stuff gets collected. Whether it is anonymously or not, I I don't really care. But as long as we have that data and that information, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, is Lightbox sources their information and posts it anonymously. So I I don't really see the disadvantage of reporting this uh, from the creator side of things. Yeah. And uh, that's another thing that freelancers in the big two have is paranoia. They are deeply paranoid about their rates. So them reacting to this the way they have is not that surprising, but uh, it's something that needs to be done. Yeah, Uh, I'm sorry. Should we uh, uh, should we have our friend from the big two who was uh, tweeting against this stuff on the Patreon soon? (laughs) Uh, No, absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, we'll we'll have Ramon come on. Ramon Villalobos. He was a a past guest. We'll have him back on for a bonus episode for our patrons and uh, we'll we'll talk more about it in depth. And kind of look at it from his perspective and our perspective. Maybe we'll have another person in who's, you know, maybe for it and can shed more light about, you know, why this is positive. And then Ramon can kind of give his feedback as to why he thinks this is a detriment to the industry. His disrespectful feedback. I'll go ahead and say it. Yeah. Uh, it's okay, Ramon, if you're scared. That's all right. Who's who's really a leftist, Ramon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for news and shout outs. Like we mentioned before, this is our 50th episode. We should have probably made a bigger deal out of it and, you know, maybe crafted some sort of special, complicated concept for an episode. But I don't know. We've all been busy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have the celebration for 100. 
Yes, there you go. We'll have a big old blow off on episode 100 and we'll have some previous guests come back maybe. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have a whole party. The show probably won't be here for episode 100, but... Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> no, I'm just, if, hopefully it is. Hey, the only way you can keep it there is by going to patreon.com forward slash gutter boys. If you want an episode 100 and you want to have that party with us, uh, you know, you guys have been doing great in supporting us. We're almost to $600 a month and almost to 100 subscribers. So who's going to be the one that puts us over the edge? I don't know. Could be you. Could be you. All right. So uh, before we get into our guest with uh, Eddie from Stranger Zines, we do want to discuss one more thing, and that is the recent passing of Patrick Dean. He is an Athens, Georgia-based cartoonist. Uh, really phenomenal cartoonist. Yeah. Too. And a really sweet guy, like mm-hmm. genuinely one of the nicest guys you could have ever met. I met him at Heroes Con years and years ago. He's uh, close friends with a friend of the show, Robert, who some of you might know from his work on Atomic Elbow, a mm-hmm. wrestling zine. And they tabled every year at Heroes, every single year they tabled together. And so that's how I got to hang out with Patrick get to know him a bit more. I wasn't familiar with his work before I met him, and I was kind of kicking myself that I didn't earlier because his work is amazing. Uh, I think I bought like six commissions off of him at the very tail end of Heroes the year I met him. Uh, I gave some of them to friends and kept a couple. But he's been battling with ALS for the last two years, uh, maybe more, actually. Yeah, I think it's like three or four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it might be. Even longer yeah. than that, who knows? Yeah. And uh, the, the last time I saw him was in 2019 at Heroes with mm-hmm. Robert, and uh, he was making the most of it, mm-hmm. as best as one can in, in that situation. Uh, he was still regularly drawing, too, which is uh, in, amazing to me. Like, I don't know, if I had some sort of debilitating disease, I probably wouldn't be drawing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> you know like, he lost his motor skills and, you know, he was using that uh, eye gaze technology and was drawing, you know, some kind of computer software. Uh, and you could see the drawings on his Instagram still. And, you know, he was able to, you know, illustrate up until almost the end, I suppose, yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. uh, he was working pretty much every day on his drawings. Yeah. And that's, I mean, respect, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I do want to say, you know, if you have anything extra, you know, I know times are tough. Uh, there is a GoFundMe that has uh, been set up for Patrick and uh, his family. And uh, it was set up by uh, cartoonist Eleanor Davis, actually. And um, if you just if you Google GoFundMe Patrick Dean, it comes up. But yeah, uh, if you have anything extra, you know, his family's left in a hard spot. You know, his children lost their father. Uh, you know, wife lost a husband, uh, you know. So, you know, our hearts go out to them. And if you want to donate a little bit to them, just uh, Google Patrick Dean GoFundMe and uh, throw a couple bucks their way. And also, if you want to check out his last book, Eddie's Week, that is available at Birdcage Bottom Press. Uh, so pick up a copy if you do not have one yet. Yeah. I'm going to reread it for uh, Patrick either tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, he made great work. Uh, Patrick had a lot to do with the uh, fluke show in Athens, uh, Georgia. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, another loss for the community. And uh, like I said, our hearts go out to Patrick and his family. Yeah, rest in power, Patrick. Mm -hmm. You were a real one. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Eddie of Stranger Zine. So stick around. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by a generous donation of $12 by the Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts. At Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts, we are committed to supporting stuff that rocks. Michael Sweater encourages you to also sign up for the Gutter Boys Patreon and to buy the latest issue of Strangers, Bubbles, and other zines about comics. Also, please make more zines about comics and comics history. It doesn't even have to be good. Also, Silver Sprocket rules. 
Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing is a tropical island destination full of magic and adventure. Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing's parlors serve the grog of your dreams. So soggy, so strong. Soggy Landing's Board of Tourism warns, Wizards not welcome. Any wizards will be summarily executed. No warlocks either. Soggy Landing's Punch and Judy show you the part when Miss Piggy and Kermit fall. What in the world? Soggy Landing is a webcomic that you can read at studygroupcomics.com. Come to Soggy Landing. There's There's plenty plenty to do in the rain. Bastard Galaxia is a free-to-read webcomic available at BastardGalaxia.com. As a space pirate, Bastard Galaxia had everything going for him. A tough crew, a cool name, and a skull for a face. But when these attributes propel him to the top of the world of supervillainy, he quickly finds himself out of his depth. Comedy, action, and social awkwardness abound, as Galaxia must balance being equally evil and marketable without letting his crew know that he's sold out. If you fondly remember the cartoons of your childhood that were ultimately just thinly veiled toy ads, such as Masters of the Universe, Ninja Turtles, or Transformers, or if you just want to check out some free comics, go to BastardGalaxia.com to enter a world where good and evil are meaningless and action figure sales are God. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at BastardGalaxia and follow the creators Steve Gregson, at RoboticsSteve, and Matt Simmons at Sheriff Freak for more comics, art, and zines. Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short-form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. to our program. And welcome back from the break. Uh, we are joined by our guest for this evening, creator of the world-famous Stranger Zines. We have Eddie on the show today. Eddie, what is up? What's good? What's going on, guys? I love uh, world-famous. I'll take that one. Yeah, you are international, <laughs> right? Like, how many? Yeah. yeah. You, you sold copies internationally, right? Yeah, I have, like, I think it's, like, 20 countries. Wow. It's been in, and then, like, I have that, like, spot in Italy that distros me, but um, that's it for kind of, like, international distribution. Who's your Italian distributor? Just Comics. Okay, Evan. They're, like, yeah. yeah Evan was talking about them to me today, actually, so that's why I was asking. Hell yeah. Nice. You like working with them? I've only done something with them once, and it was, like, I think when issue three came out, and I definitely, like, really fucked up shipping because it was just super expensive and i ended up like kind of actually losing money on getting it over there but you know it's it's cool to have it over there and like 
be a little bit more accessible to people over in, in Europe. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. He's a really, really nice guy. And you learn from those shipping mishaps. You know, I, exactly. I, I fucked myself on the first t-shirt I ever made by charging $3 shipping on each order. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, b- before we just like start talking like, you know, inside baseball about strangers for the uninitiated guests out there, which I'm assuming at this point, I feel like everybody knows what fucking strangers is. But um, if you don't, uh, strangers is a fanzine that's been published for a little over a year now. Eddie, you're the editor, you write articles, uh, you curate everything, and you've expanded into an empire of publishing and distribution for (laughs) independent comics. Uh, So let's kind of just start at the beginning. You know, this is a somewhat new project. It's really crazy seeing, you know, when you say that out loud that Strangers has been around for a year, considering the mark you've already made. So what started you in the game? You know, what made you want to do Strangers? Uh, The zine, I guess, first. And if you want to talk about how you eventually made your way into the publishing and distro side, of course. Yeah. So, you know, I'd always wanted to do some sort of zine. I I came from the hardcore scene where like zines were super prevalent, Mm -hmm. but like I just didn't really feel like I had like, you know, a voice to say anything about it. Like I really love music and I have book shows forever and ever, but like, you know, I wasn't about to go and interview bands and I also just didn't have any like graphic design skills, which I, you know, I I thought I needed to kind of do a zine. So it just always been in the back of my head, like, oh, I want to do this. And then eventually um, I got some, like, you know, I was taught how to, like, taught the Adobe Suite programs through my job. And then I was at Cab in 2019. And I came across, actually, was, I came across Bubbles Booth. And I was like, wow, like, there's, you know, there's people doing zines and comics. And, you know, I was really, like, inspired by what he did. And I had been kind of thinking of like doing something with comics anyway my buddy gave me like a, a copy of amazing heroes and i was like oh it'd be cool if i did like you know something with comics and like music and then i saw bubbles was just doing straight up comics and i was like i can do this like you know like this like looks super easy to make and put together and you know at that same at that same edition of cab i picked up paul Kirchner's book and i was like talking to my roommates and i was like you know like his emails in the back of this like i should just email this dude and see if he wants to do an interview because yeah, he was also i found out he's from new haven which is where i live and uh it just kind of went from there like i got home Cab emailed Paul Kirshner. He got back to me like that night. And I was like, all right, guess I'm doing a zine. And, uh, you know, Cab, I think was in November and the first issue dropped on Valentine's Day. Yeah, we share an anniversary. The Gutter yeah. Boys podcast, Strangers, and even the uh, aforementioned uh, Bubbles. So, yeah, I was going to say. It's kind of funny. And you're in New Haven, Connecticut. So, like, is there much of a comic scene there? Or do you there's, pretty much have to go to New York? No, there's like kind of, it, it's weird because like everything in Connecticut feels like it's really influenced by New York, except for music. So, like, a lot of people that like do comics, they kind of come in and out of New York. I'm going to speak for overall Connecticut because it's so small. And like for New Haven, it's going to be like three people. There's a few people. Ryan Alves is from Connecticut. He actually, we like grew up in the same circle of friends. We, there's a very good chance we met when we were in high school and just didn't know it. And then in New Haven, I know Sophia Gaia's from New Haven. They're like this amazing creator that I feel like not enough people kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. And then... I worked with this this collective, um, Odd Jomini and Evan Kling, and they do some really cool books together. They actually just did a video game like over the pandemic where they like took the the Doom like Doom like the video game, like they took like the server or whatever, like they built the game off of and like made their own video game based off of that. So there's there's people doing some really cool stuff. New Haven also has Yale, so like there's you know, the heavy art community to begin with. Oh, but I think yeah. most of it is just kinda like very snobby art. 
Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you made the zine and uh, it seems like, I don't want to say the word overnight success, but I mean, when you look <laughs> at the small amount of time that Strangers has existed, I mean, does it feel that way to you? I mean, you're it in the thick of it, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's if it feels like it was like so long ago at this point, like it, I can't believe it's only been a year because it just issue one seems like forever ago. And I feel like I've learned so much and like it's it, this like feels like something I've been doing forever at this point. You know, the first issue I printed a hundred copies and I, I sold out within a week. So I mean, like, I don't know, not an overnight success, but I think I noticed very quickly that, that I was, you know, it caught on. I like put a lot of the copies out to retailers and like, that's kind of when I knew I was onto something is like the first day I got like 30 orders, but then like by the first week retailers were like, oh yeah, like I want this. And like, I took a trip to Brooklyn like right after I released the issue, I think like at the, like that next week and I brought a copy to Desert Island and like I filled out the consignment form and everything. And then like three days later, Gabe like hit me up on Instagram. He's like, Hey man, like, you know, I checked out the zine. Like, I love it. He's like, I'm, he's like, you know, let's skip consignment. Like just give me 10 copies. Nice. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, Gabe Fowler's like into this. So that kind of was my indication. Like, all right, like, you know, something could be really cool with that. And then I think I started to really actually get like traction and turn some heads when like, you know, it wasn't like, all right, he did one issue. That's fine. It was like, I took the next issue. And I was like, all right, here's Jeff Darrow interview. And he was like, and not for nothing. Like, I'm really proud of the interview. Like, I think it went really well. And then like, it was the third issue. I was like, here's Richard Corbin. And I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, he's not slowing down and he's not kind of like trying to do something. You know, he, I am always constantly trying to one up myself. And then I feel like I've continued to do that, which I think has kind of helped with the success. Yeah, I mean, I know you personally to an extent, and you're just a fucking workhorse, man. You're like a workaholic. So uh, when I say overnight success, I don't mean that like in a negative way, because I know that you've built this yourself. So uh, yeah, it's been cool to see, though. But yeah, I mean, because, you know, fanzines used to be something that was just like a part of the comic culture, and they died for what seems like decades. And I mean, I'm sure there were fanzines, but one at the level of, you know, what you're doing, and, you know, I guess what Bubbles is doing, too, you know, and I don't think we've seen that in comics. And, you know, over a decade. So it's really refreshing to see. And I think people are hungry for that content, which is, you know, once you found that lane, you know, and you started featuring like, you know, the more mainstream creators mentioned, you're not, you know, slowing down, like each issue does kind of have like a new cover interview where you're like, oh, fuck, how do you get that dude? So yeah, and it's really cool because it's like a marriage of like the mainstream comic scene with, you know, independent comics. So it has like a completely, you know, vibe on its own. But if you don't mind, like, what's the process of like starting a new issue? Does it start with like, okay, I just want to talk to this person kind of like the first one did and you build around like that one interview like what's the process of putting an issue of strangers together like i have a list of people that i always want to talk to you know it's like the first page in like my journal next to me like has like just a huge list of people i'm interested in i generally try to make sure every issue has a cover interview that you know I like to have the cover interviews be someone generally kind of older, you know, and lean still into that roots of like, you know, the forgotten and overlooked people. So, yeah. and, and that's not to say like no, by no stretch of the imagination is, is Darrow or Corbin ever been forgotten, overlooked, but like, you know, it's people that were working outside of the bounds of mainstream or, and, you know, had success there. So I'll start with that. And then, you know, I always try to, it's always like, all right, you're going to capture people with this big interview, but then they're going to read the rest of it and they're going to discover a new creator. So like, you know, using issue two as an example, like we had that Darrow interview, but then we interviewed 
Pat Rooks. And like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people like had no idea who he was when they picked up for Darrow and they're like, oh, this, this guy seems cool. Like, you know, this dude's doing like Silver Age, like horror romance comics. I'm going to check that out. So I always try to like use the bigger interviews to to leverage attention towards some of these smaller guys and girls. So that's kind of really how it starts is like being like, all right, who's the first one? I generally, at this point, I'm thinking like issues in advance. So I will always focus on comics as well. Like I always like to have a bootleg comic in each issue. So I usually will pick a creator and say like, hey, like, you know, I think you do a really good version of this. Sometimes I'll get pitched things and I'll go for it. But usually I'm telling people like, hey, like, would you want to do this type of story? And then usually I'm just like kind of fielding articles. I don't really write a lot of the articles myself. I just don't think I'm strong enough to do it. I can't pull like an article out. Like, you know, I, I know Brian did that like article about like the man without talent. Like, I don't think I could ever do something like that. It's just not my skill set. But I think, you know, there's other people that are. So I'll reach out and like see if anyone wants to do anything and kind of just go at it that way and just sort of piecemeal it together. And eventually like the last month or so is just me like stressing out, trying to get it actually all organized and realizing I bit off more than I can chew, which is why every issue has been uh, longer than the next. That's actually something I was going to ask you. Like, do you point like each issue has gotten significantly larger than the yeah. previous issue? Is that a trend you're wanting to continue or are you wanting to cut that off and like kind of try to go with like a set amount of pages? Like, what's the plan going forth with that? I- issue 52 I- should be a phone book. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, like issue five is going to be a phone book. <laughs> <laughs> Like I write in the beginning of all of them, like I always do like a three page, just kind of like, you know, letter from the editor or whatever right. it may be. And like, I think since issue three, I've been writing about like the idea of how to make this thing as sustainable as possible. And I've just not listened to anything I've written down. Like I was like, all right, like I'm going to stick to 48 pages. I'm going to do this amount of stuff. And then like literally like this issue, issue four is 92 pages. Like, I don't know. I just, so many cool things get pitched to me. And I'm just like, I always just say yes. And then. I'm kind of the one stuck like editing and realizing like, why did I, why did I take all this on? <laughs> Ideally, like I would like to stay around that 50 page mark. I think that's fine. And like, you know, it, it keeps me around like a $6 range, which I think for 50 pages is very, very fair. Oh yeah. It just also like, it's just easier. Like I can handle that. I can't handle, if I were to do 92 pages for every issue, like I'd be miserable. <laughs> yeah. On yeah, top that of everything would be, that would be else. Hell. Yeah. yeah, on top of everything else. Well, and so you did just say, you know, uh, on top of everything else. So you've actually been working in comics longer than strangers with your day job, correct? Yeah, I work, you know, it's funny because like even before my day job, I wasn't into comics. Like I got into them through my day job. And, you know, for those that don't know, I, you know, I work in conventions. I'm one of the programming coordinators for Emerald City Comic Con, as well as some other conventions around the country. So like, like it is, it is in my day job, but I don't think it's, uh, you know, what I do with strangers feels so much different. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm dealing like the shows we do are very mainstream and like, you know, the creators I'm talking to for the most part are not going to these shows. And this is like, you know, more things I'm interested in, more things I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Well, that's cool that like, you know, your job exposed you to the world that you were able to dive deeper into. So you weren't reading like any comics at all. Like you didn't flirt with them at all any at any point in life before uh, working your gig. No, I remember like two comics things when I was a kid. I remember like, I remember seeing Mouse in the library in like elementary school. And then I remember going to the public library with my mom and I took Death of Superman off the shelf. And like I opened up that huge splash page of like Superman, like dead on the ground. I I was really young and I was like, this is fucking terrifying. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I put it back and that's like really all it was. I think like, you know, I probably read like a little bit of Calvin and Hobbes and stuff like that as a kid. But like for the most part, there was no comics. I watched Batman the Animated Series and I really like I was into manga a little bit, like kind of when that was like really like a huge craze. I think I was probably like 11 or 12 and then, you know, Toonami, et cetera. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is interesting that you do work so closely with conventions, like mainstream comic conventions, and yet what you do feels so far removed from that, I think, speaks volumes about sort of like where comic conventions are culturally now. For sure. But it's both like really disconcerting, but also relieving that people within the industry, whether they know it or not, if they're really, really actually invested in comics, like the medium comics, that you know, someone like yourself comes up and presents something like Stranger Zines that, you know, I mean, we've already talked praises at this point, so there's no point beating that dead horse. But I think it's, it's a good sign, the fact that someone like yourself is doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's funny because, like, I feel like I'm fortunate enough that, like, I do work with mainstream conventions, but, like, the one that I happen to work on most, you know, for a mainstream show, I think it does you a little more indie than the rest um you know it's never going to be spx indie but like i'm able to do things at emerald city like work with fanographics on like you know i i worked with fanographics on, like a 30 years of hate like spotlight panel with peter bag and like eric reynolds was going to come in eric reynolds or eric stevens uh stevens is Where, a dude from image reynolds is fanographics reynolds okay yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that was eric it was gonna be eric reynolds and peter bag you know just like going over 30 years of hate and like that wouldn't ever work at like a c2e2 or like a new york comic-con but like emerald leans far enough kind of to that indie crowd where i can get away with something like that so i was able to like put my my influence into it a little bit and it's funny because like i don't actually i don't think i've ever told him this uh, i keep forgetting but like i was working with mark palm like on something for emerald city comic-con like totally like outside of working on strangers like i happened to like see on facebook that he was like doing these like zine workshops and i was like yo like that would be really cool to like do at a show like after hours and i reached out to him on facebook i was like hey like you know i'm I'm one of the coordinators for this. Like, would you want to come in for a zine workshop? And like, I hit up Fanagraphics and they were like, yeah, like we'd love to come in. And they were like helping me at town. Like we were talking about like getting Simon Hanselman to come in and like do a zine workshop. This was obviously all before the pandemic. So like I'm able to push a little bit of, you know, things that I find interesting. But to JB's point, like, you know, these conventions, especially the ones that we're doing, they're not they're not comics. Comics are always going to be there because it is it is the backbone of them. But like, you know, the only panel that we ever had that was on the main stage that was a comics panel was the Image Reunion. Everything, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, it, that was a that was a fucking awesome panel. Like it was, you know, it was everybody but Jim Lee, but he's too it, busy counting stacks. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't need this money. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, people, people are interested in that. And that's, that's fine. Like it is, you know, there's other places to go to comic. There's other comic shows for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. But you know, like you said, it is like pretty awesome that you're able to push through stuff that otherwise we wouldn't get from a show yeah. like, you know, any read pop show like Emerald City. Yeah, agreed. Hell yeah. So I do want to get into uh, the second phase of Strangers that seems to be, you know, not that the zine is like being phased out. I'm not trying to say that, but it seems like you're <laughs> dipping your toes into more publishing. Folks, it's the end of Strangers. Yeah, it's over. It's <laughs> over. Yeah. Five and done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eddie worked himself, in, you know, into a shoot. Uh, but no, uh, the, uh, you know, the new stuff that you're doing is focusing on the distribution of independent titles and even publishing. And, you know, I've even done a book with you recently, so I, I, I have nothing but good things to say but i do want to know what made you want to take that next step and if you want to talk a little bit about like your experience with like this new phase that you're moving into yeah i'm i'm kind of wondering if people have bets out if i'm going to stop doing the zine now that like the distro and the publishing has taken off uh, i wouldn't be surprised you know the the distro kind of came i can't remember which came first the distro or the publishing but you know i'll speak to the distro first so you know i've been working with adam falp on that serialized comic we're doing in strangers and i just kind of got in a conversation with him and his writing partner tony and i was just like i kind of just realized i was like 
it's $7 to get this book to the US. And I was like, I'm paying it every time. But I was like, they got to be losing sales. Like, you know, it's it's the same price for the shipping as it is for the book. Right. And I just kind of, I kind of came to him. I was like, hey, man, I was like, would it be cheaper if you just sent me a bunch of copies and I sold them for you and we'll split, you know, split the cost? And he he came back. Actually, Adam works for like a shipping company. So it really worked out. And he was like, yeah, actually, it would be. He's like, I was like, dude, like, I don't, I was like, you know, like, this is kind of on good faith. Like, you know, I, I would have to like pay you after we sell the copies. But like, if you want to trust me, like doing something, I was like, you know, on top of it, like, I'll ship out your orders for you too. Like, you send me everything that you got from the States and like, I'll ship it out for you at a cheaper rate. So he just like took a chance on me. I think like the first deal we made, it wasn't even like for money. It was just like, I was like, oh, just send me like an original sketch. Um, So he like sent me a sketch from uh, Atomic Her. Hercules. And then like, I just parceled out everything for him. And, you know, he saved a ton of money. And we just kind of kept going from there. I think like the first book we did was uh, Atomic Hercules one and two, and they sold out within like eight hours. And I was like, all right, like, you know, this is proof of concept. And then I had had the same conversation going with Jordan Barry Brown, who does Cosmic Slop, which, you know, at that point, we're like, all right, let's wait for issue two, which just came out. So this is why he's finally in it. But we had been talking about that since like August. And then, you know, after Adam kind of did did well i was like all right like you know i'm gonna try this with another title and i think i want to say it was rodeo actually it was the second one and then you know that sold out again really fast and i just kind of kept adding stuff to it and then <laughs> i think really what what changed things was like i didn't have goiter four and i kept joking with josh i was like josh like let me print it like you know i want i want a copy and then he was like if you actually mean it i was like i was like yeah i'll print them off and like you know i can keep one and then i'll just sell the rest for them and then a bunch of other stuff was in that drop i think like it was that was a drop of like fortress and everything else and like that stuff flew like we i was with my girlfriend and we were out for the day and like i was like holy shit like things are gone in like two hours and like goiter was gone by like the end of the day and i was like okay like this is you know really taking off I can't remember. I, I think that might have been after the first publishing drop, though. But like things just kind of have continuously gotten faster and faster for sellouts. But, you know, that's really how it started. just like working with Adam to try and get things uh, at a cheaper shipping rate. And there's snowballed. Real quick, I do want to say I was telling you about this comic, JB, and I know that I sent you pictures of the uh, back matter because your Daikaiju book was mentioned. But that uh, recent distro title you did for Adam, the uh, Satan's Library, I've never seen a comic like that, like as far as execution. So like for listeners, like it's a comic about a comic store and this kid goes into the comic store and he's handed comics or like digging them out of a box. But there's like little minis stapled into the comic that are the comics that he pulls out. And I've never seen anything like that. And I just wanted to uh, just because you brought them up just say that i thought that book was really fucking cool yeah it's it's such a different it feel like it was so out of left field for adam and like he wrote he's like you know this is my love letter to like digging and he's like i came to america for like a trip and like just dug around in shops he's like i made this like while i was traveling around the u.s and it's so cool because like most of adam's stuff is like you know it's it's very like absurdist action comics and for him to do something that was like it was really thoughtful and like it just felt felt way different. I I really loved it. I was I was such a such a surprise from him. Yeah, on concept alone. I mean, I messaged him yes. being like, "Hey, you know, I hope you do more of this, just because it's so cool." But yeah, so the closest thing that I've seen something like that is with John Fam's uh, epoxy book. That's exactly what I thought of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good call. Yeah. So yeah, he just pretty much like wove the epoxy thing into the story of the comic shop. I guess. Right, so yeah, yeah, I guess right, yeah, 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 yeah. Good call. Yeah. So you were distributing titles, and then what made you say, "Okay." I, I want to lose money in comics and start publishing them. <laughs> um, so I do think the publishing idea maybe came before the distro. I really can't remember. But Jasper, if you ask Jasper, he'll say it was his idea. But <laughs> What a fucking arrogant little kid. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I remember going at like Jared Wolf posted some character designs on his Instagram and I was just kind of like, you know, being snotty one day and like I was I just wrote I was like, hey, like, you know, if you ever want to make this book, like I will publish it, I will front the money and publish it. And he just kind of hit me up like a few weeks later. And he was like, hey, man, like, you know, like, I'm not gonna be doing this book. but Like I have this other book called sober that I'm doing. And he's Actually, it started even before that. He was like, oh, I'm like working on this book. He's like, I don't know if you'd be interested in publishing it. He's like, I don't know how to lay it out, though. And I was like, I was like, oh, I know how to do book layouts. Like, I can help you with that. And then he eventually hit me up. He's like, oh, he's like, do you just want to publish it? He's like, I really don't want to do anything with like the business side of it. He's like, it's too like, you know, it stresses me out. And I was like, sure, like, you know, fuck it. I'll publish this. And then around the same time. I had been talking with Jasper kind of in and out. Like, I was like, you know, if you ever want to do Dynamite Diva with me, like, let me know. And then he was like, hey, like, you know, I want to do a magazine sized book, like, but I really don't know how to start. He's like, is there any chance you would want to publish it? And after that, we were just kind of off to the races. And I think like both of those books sold out within three days. And then, you know, Jasper's second print run sold out within a week as well. Yeah. And that's one yeah, thing. That's, all, that's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, I, I feel like one thing that you do well, and like, I hate even comparing it to like the streetwear kind of scene, because I feel like the hype beast crowd is kind of fucking stupid, but I'm not saying the strange crowd is stupid, but I'm gonna make this comparison. <laughs> I feel like you've built like this brand where like, there's like, it's like a supreme drop. You know, we were talking through messages where I really do believe people might be setting alarms. I was like, yo, dude, I, I set an alarm for the last drop. Like, <laughs> you know, like to make sure I got the fucking books. So it's like, you you have an interesting approach to whereas like a publisher is like, we're putting out this one book or these two books on this day. And this is the street date where you're like, here's all the titles. They're on sale on this day at this time. And each stranger's release feels like an event because comics really aren't marketed that way. No. So what made you want to take that approach to selling your distro and uh, publishing titles? So I get the streetwear drop comparison kind of often. And I think it's really funny because it was just so not intended to be that way. Really, it kind of came down to I was like with the first well, the first like official I guess drop was the one that was around the publishing books. And I was like, all right, like I know I'm dropping strangers in December. Oh, I guess they were separate. Okay. So it really came down to, I was like, I don't want to have to ship all the time. So I was like, if I put everything together, then I just have to deal with one batch of orders, which, you know, at the time felt very short-sighted or was very short-sighted because now it's like, I have to deal with hundreds of orders in one batch, which sucks. But it was way easier than like having to run to the post office like once or, you know, three times a week just to get orders out. Right. So I just started dropping everything together and I hate, I say it sucks, but like, I know I'm, you know, it's a product of success. I'm complaining for yeah, nothing. Yeah, good problem to have, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. It hurts every time I sit down because of all the money in my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's now really my f- ass from all so, my money. <laughs> what's funny is like, you know, I'll like look at it and be like, holy shit. And then like, I'll be like, all right, subtract. Like I, I'm taking very low deals in these splits. Like, cause you know, I want artists to get paid for these. Yeah, I, want I can to attest like to this, incentive. that the best payday I've ever had in comics came from Eddie. <laughs> so like, so like I'll look and I'll have all this, like not all this money or we're talking comics. So like I'll have a good amount of money in my PayPal. And then I sell things on Friday and I settle up with everybody on Monday and like by Monday night, it's like just diminished. <laughs> cause it's like, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking a low percentage of, you know, something that already has like, you're working off of a 50% margin and I'm taking a small cut of a 50% margin. So uh, there's still no money in comics, but I think in aggregate, it does make maybe a little bit of sense. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And it's very interesting. And, you know, let's talk about, you know, before we get into our listener questions, because we did get quite a few for you. Cool. Let's uh, move over to what's next for strangers. What do you have on the horizon? So 
you know, the fanzine's still going to come out quarterly, you know, for as long as I think I can. Issue six is pretty well in the works and there's some good stuff for issue seven as well. You know, I've already done a couple of interviews for issue six, but right now my biggest focus is on publishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'm really loving that. And like, I've been using strangers kind of as like a probing ground to sort of segue that into books I'm publishing. So like, I'll give, you know, a creator like three or four pages in strangers and then, then, you know, kind of be like, all right, like if that comes out really good, like then we'll let's do a book together. That didn't always start that way. I think I really started that with Jake. I, Jake had never done a comic before. Like he had done like little zines before, but he had never done really anything to the scale of trench coat. So I, I was like, hey man, like why don't you do like three pages for me? And he was like, oh cool. And then like a week later, he's like, oh, here you go. And I was like, holy shit. Like there were like, it was the Zap City comics and I was just blown away. I was like, all right, like you can do whatever you want. And then he like pitched me this idea and like showed me a couple of pages. I was like, all right, like, you know, we're going to do this perfect bound book like you know i want to really put some kind of behind it so the publishing is my biggest focus is what i was getting at and like i'm still i'm going to use strangers kind of as a pro- like a proving ground going forward so like there's a good chance like if there's a creator in strangers that means there's probably going to be a book for them in the future unless uh i think the pages suck which so far hasn't happened so that's really good so you're auditioning if you uh get into strangers yeah and i mean not for nothing like but like I'm still at a point where like I'm just getting to a point where I'm starting to be able to pay people for the work they're they're doing in Strangers. So like this is my way of being able to pay these folks. It's gonna be like, hey, like look, I really like I can't front you anything for doing a few pages in Strangers, but like you know I will give you a book and I will give you a very good deal on a book. I don't want to fuck people. Like you know, there's no money in comics as it is, and to look for free work is just like extra shitty. So it's the best way that I have right now until I can start paying for for people to to do pages in the magazine. And then it'll still be, you know, it'll still be just as good of a payday to get an actual book with me. But for now, it's kind of the best option I have. Right. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to talk about your upcoming releases or anything like that that's on the horizon? Yeah. So, you know, I have a drop in May. It's it's going to be May 14th. And it's my birthday. Is it really? Yeah, for real. And George there Lucas. Yeah. So that one was kind of centered around, you know, I've been talking with Pat Rooks for a while and he just got that new publishing deal. And I was like, hey, man, like I'd be interested in having copies for the distro. And then, you know, the conversation kind of started carrying on from there. And he was like, oh, like, why don't you just handle all the online sales? He's like, I really don't want to do that. And I was like, oh, cool. So like, you know, the deal is like his publisher will handle getting into all the stores and like I'll just handle all the online fulfillment. So I started like centering the drop around that. Like I knew that was coming for a while and I was like, okay, like, you know, we have a date in May. And then I was like, all right, what other time? Titles am I going to bring into it? So I just started, you know, grabbing things here and there. Well, it is Pat doing Celery Stocks two, or what's he this will be Volume one. Volume Celery one, Stocks okay. two, I think, comes out in the. I think the second like book volume comes out in the summer or the fall. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But you know, within the distro too, I'm I'm trying to like expand a little bit. Right now, I feel like I've been bringing in a lot of floppies, so this will be the first drop where I'm bringing in like you know some hard covers and some actual like bound books to try and try those out i reached out to uh i don't know if it's like his, it's not his publisher but like whoever did that like mutant world repress his name was like Stuart. so like i got a few copies of those and like right now i'm just trying to focus on things that like might not be readily available and just trying to get some copies to add those into the drop like i'm not super interested in like getting something you can get everywhere i want things to kind of be a little bit more like oh hell yeah like strangers have that i've never seen anyone else have that so that's kind of where my focus is in terms of like the future of the distro and then i've got two 
more books dropping in June. Nate Garcia is dropping Alonzo Sneak Volume 1, which is basically me telling Nate that I wanted to do a Western and <laughs> that it has to have a shootout. And he was like, oh, cool. Like, let's do, you know, let's do an Alonzo Sneak story. And then I've been working with Connor McCann on this uh, book called uh, God Bless the Machine. So he like pitched me this like really in, like it was the most insane elevator pitch like Cam I showed it to you yeah and, like, it was ridiculously insane yeah if it was anybody else besides him I would just think the book would tank but like I knew what he would actually bring to like the table would just be like this insanely like tap looking sci-fi thing and uh from everything I've seen so far it looks unbelievable so that should be done for like late June and then I'm also working on an anthology with Tom Nisha and it's gonna be you know, the first, it, we're calling it Future Dreams, and each issue is going to kind of be centered around something. So the first one is going to be like all mech stories. So we've mm. got Tom's doing, every, everybody gets 10 pages. So Tom's got 10 pages, then it's Jasper's doing 10, Jake Michelle. Is Jasper Nick doing Cup. like a diva mech? Yeah. So he, he put, <laughs> Hell yeah. Exactly. I don't know if it's diva in a mech or diva fighting a mech or what it is. He, he yeah. just took a page or two. So yeah, it is a diva mech story. Then Nick Cuckway is doing something for us. And then Evan Salazar like hit me up. He's like, hey, like I have, he's like, you know, I don't have 10 pages, but like I can do a four pager. So he's going to do like a little backup for us. And that'll be the first volume. And then, you know, we're, we're Tom and I have been talking about a second volume as well, which JB, I'll hit you up about because <laughs> we're interested in having you in it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of it for like the short term. There's a bunch of projects that like I've kind of had notes on. Mm -hmm. Jasper and I have been, you know, slowly working on the Diva hardcover, still trying to figure out like, you know, the logistics of how that works for him. Because I know that that was a project he was doing with some other folks. But, you know, I'm going to be helping out with that as well and getting that set. And then, yeah, I feel like I'm just constantly kind of doing some new stuff. We started doing those merch drops like actual t-shirts we started with diva i have a few more of those in the works oh, um, yeah. i really like comic t-shirts and then i feel like there's not enough of them in the world so i'm gonna try and elite fix that problem yeah that's super fucking cool so something that came across my feed recently was this recent announcement for a kickstarter campaign for a new comic magazine called mutiny have you seen this I've no. not. Yeah. Okay. So is it Kickstarter? Yeah, it's a Kickstarter. It, yeah, the format reminds me of the Wizard magazines, uh, but they're basically trying to kickstart this new comic magazine that covers indie and mainstream comics. Oh, this looks like kayfabe shit, dude. And it's it does look like kayfabe. It stinks kayfabe. of kayfabe. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically just like, what if we did what you know, Bubbles and Stranger Zines are doing, but make it more expensive, basically. <laughs> so I, I'm really curious as to what your thoughts are on this because. I think it's pretty corny. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Here, let me let me run down what it is. Okay, I'm not. I haven't pulled up. I haven't pulled up. I'm. I, I actually yeah. I got stopped because the dude's got a Greg Capullo Spawn cover. Like, yeah, and he's got Todd McFarlane with like the Spawn movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this makes me wonder. Is like, why did this need to be kickstarted? One. This feels to me like this is not like. This is somebody in a publisher or something like this is something not like in our community. Right. But it, it's funny because of the language they're using. They're talking about, you know, like, oh, we're not trying to cover just mainstream comics, you know, like we're 
trying to cover all comics. And then they list all these major publishers. You like your Marvels, your DCs, your Images, or Boom, you'll find all of them. And most important, they're creators in the any comics. Do you like independent comic publishers like Dark Horse and Image? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's just like really cringe. Uh, um, you can you can kind of tell where they're coming from in terms of like who's putting this together. And I'm, I just think this is very Yeah, suspect. I see like, here that is, they even have collectors issue number zero. Because <laughs> like, like a... Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just real corny, like very yeah. embarrassing. I shit. mean, I'll be honest, like I would read this magazine like I liked Wizard back in the day. Like, am I going to back this on Kickstarter? No. But if like if a polished magazine came across that was like, oh, hey, here's an interview with Todd McFarlane. Of course, I'm going to read an interview with Todd McFarlane. But yeah, I, I, yeah, this this is very corny. And it, it almost seems like to me, I know you didn't ask, but it's like this is a dude who saw the cartoonist kayfabe Facebook group and was like, how can I get money from them? He's got I mean, they're also they're charging 15 dollars for a, a digital versions of the fucking magazine oh, jesus like what the fuck is that yeah <laughs> who's gonna pay 15 dollars for a digital magazine this looks like they're He's almost funded in a day though so this gives me hope for gutter mag yeah, oh wait yeah, here's something interesting so it says he, he this is about joe cynic so i was like joe cynic is dead he unfortunately passed away in 2020 but we dug this exclusive interview he gave us 10 years ago what so this is i don't there's something fishy here yeah. yeah. Like yeah. this is this is something like I said, this seems like somebody that worked for a publisher that's like, you know, that's doing I don't know. There's something like I said, this is not our this is not our community. Yeah, no, I, I agree. agree. And and looking at the the list of independent creators, like it says comics from like fifty different people and the independent creators that are listed, it's like, you know, their credits are like Spider Man Noir, you know, so they've worked in the system, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, also repeating collector's item is just like uh fuck fuck off. Yeah, like looking <laughs> at the comics that are in this, like, you know, Moritat, yeah, the guy who did I remember he did the spirit and he did the couple Constantine. A guy from the Walking Dead is doing a comic. So like this isn't in our world at all. This is like like, no. this is people that think they're into indie comics because they read Saga. That's who this is for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, just, like, I, I think of this stuff, like, to not to not totally shut on it, like, I think to to maybe some credit, like, this might be one of those things where someone's like, hey, like, a comics magazine, that's really cool. And then, you know, they start doing it themselves and maybe, like, they get into something more interesting. Oh, yeah. It's, maybe, it's good that it exists. Maybe I'm being yeah. a little hopeful, but, like, I, exactly. It's good it exists. Like, you know, in the same way that everyone talks about Brian and I being good that it exists, like, because we both handle such different things like it's fine that this i i don't i don't hate this this wouldn't be surprising if this is something like that garrett garib sheamus is like somehow tied to who's that who I, he's the dude that did uh wizard back in the day oh he, he, also, okay. like, started, he started the wizard convention so gotcha Ugh. yeah Ugh. so we need to go back no, in time you. and kill that guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> we must end the curse yeah. here we uh i don't know if anyone's ever been to wizard world chicago in the last like five years but holy fucking nobody shit. does man well c2e2 yeah. kind of took over as the main con there right they did yeah they did i love going to c2e2 like i think that show is so much fun like i know jb jb you is table there don't you I do. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'm going to go next yeah, time a, you table there, JB. I, I want to table at a big show like that. C2E2 is a fun show. The Wizard shows failed because they were overcharging for tables overcharging for admission and then nobody showed up you yeah know, like I, hmm. I i can't tell you how many people would text me during wizard con weekend and being like i don't know why i came Whoa. <laughs> it's just empty cam you would lose your shirt at c2e2 no offense no there's, no there's, I, uh... I, I i figured i would so like my plan is like if jb's tabling i'm gonna go and throw a book on the table Good. and that way i can meet like our dc and marvel friends like ramon and stuff in real life like that's that's the main reason why i would want to yeah. but yeah no i would that's why 
I don't do those type of shows because I would absolutely do horrible at those shows. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like JB's like the perfect audience for it. It's like people that like, you know, they can get something really cool drawn by someone that has like good style. Like, oh, da- like Daniel, Daniel crushes that show. He's also a hometown Oh my show God. For- yes. Yes. I was, I was sitting, we were on the same uh, aisle and he had a huge commission line. Yeah. It like his, his line actually them. wraps around. Like it's him yeah. and Scotty both have like Scotty Young, like him and Scotty Young both have lines that literally wrap around. Like it's so Scotty Young's still hot. Like I remember like he was everywhere on like every variant cover, but I haven't seen him in years. I feel like on anything. I got to give him credit. His uh, his like convention model is really fun. He like goes up and like you have to spin a wheel. And if you land on something on the wheel, then you can get a commission from him. Yeah, which is like or is it free you pay for the commission but like it's like you spin the wheel to get the option for a commission like which is a good way to like deter you know from having to do a thousand commissions but also like give anybody a chance because like you know with anything like with someone of his size like his list would fill up in two seconds as soon as like his agent right. puts it up so like it gives anybody right. the possibility to do it throughout the weekend which i think is you know it's kind of the fun of a convention it's like that like anything could happen sort of deal you like spin the wheel and then he's like congratulations you have to pay me six hundred dollars for a head sketch shitty drawing oh yeah so we did get a lot of questions for eddie now a lot of these are probably going to be similar so like we've been doing in the past few episodes we might quickly read your question and if we touched on it or it's too similar to a previous question you know we're going to read it to let you get your shit in but uh probably not answer it so uh also before we get into this if you want to participate with the show and our guests you can uh find questionnaires that we put up for uh you know future guests on our instagram account at gutter boys pod we're also on twitter feel free to dm any questions or respond to the stories uh you can also email us at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Discord. If you want to link to that, DM me on the Gutter Boys account on Instagram or my personal account, Cam Del Rosario. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of people in there chopping it up and asking questions. So first question came from Instagram. Uh, user King Megatrip had two here. Not so much a question, just big time thanks to Eddie for distributing so many artists. He gives a suggestion. Maybe just needs higher quantities in stock. He sells out so quick, but it's a quality problem to have. <laughs> uh, I have like three messages from Matt saying that. And Matt should not be complaining about higher stocks because Matt is one of the few people that I have to deal with. So he works, uh, he's a roofer and he works like shitty hours, usually when I'm like dropping things. So he's probably the only person where he, if he's like, hey man, like, can you just pull some stuff off? Like I'll PayPal you. And he's like the only person I do that for because he's just been super supportive since day one. But he can, you know, he's been able to get like whatever he wants. <laughs> Hell yeah. Looking out for the working man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Blue collar love. Yeah. Instagram user Luscious Cachon. 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 They Ooh. ask, uh, not a question, but really enjoying the pod. Funny convos and great guests. Glad I subbed. Hell yeah. Instagram user The Prophet DC. Uh, they ask, what does he look for in the comics he distributes? I never know how to answer this question. It's like kind of a weird balance. It's it's things that I would genuinely enjoy reading, but also think that my readers would like. So like, I feel like one of the reasons why the distro has been rather successful is like it is rather curated. So it's it's kind of a fine balance of like things I really enjoy and things that I think, you know, fans of the magazine would also like seeing you know there is there is a style of the magazine it is you know it's it is the ken Langriffs, the jeff darrow's kind of the richard corbin's like people that walked alongside the mainstream or you know interweaved into it and came back out like to have their own unique style that's really what i look for is like something where you're like yeah that's that person and like you can't 
like there's no other way it's anybody else. That was a horrible way of describing it, but no, I actually like think I follow you though. You know, you flirt with the mainstream, but you have enough independent credibility to make like something that's good enough that you know the highbrow audience wouldn't turn their nose at. Exactly, right, you're good yeah. enough to be in the mainstream, but you choose to be independent. Right. Yes. Like th- yes. that seems to be like a lot of the titles that I pick because it just means that, like like you're that good that like you could do this and you just want to stay kind of doing indie stuff. You know, I really like genre comics. I really like genre comics done by single cartoonists. I'm not really into mm-hmm. like. The only, I think it's really the only book that I have that like is a team is Atomic Hercules. And even then, like Tony's a good artist in his own right. You know, so he, he has that in mind. And for me, like Atomic Hercules just feels like he's like, how can I make Adam go crazy having to draw the most ridiculous shit? Which is <laughs> why I find that book so enjoyable. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's really what I'm looking for. Hell yeah. All righty. Yeah, we, we shit on writers a lot, but uh, there are instances where they're, you know, a team on a small press book can work. Yeah. Yes. But it's case by case. Yeah. Like it's not, you know. Yeah. And, and we I only think that's sh- the only book. Well, we shit on writers that deserve to be shat on. <laughs> you could be a cool writer, in my opinion, and you know, be respectful and understand how the game works. But you know, yeah, you could be a cool writer and uh, learn how to draw. <laughs> but exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that's me, and that is actually me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Uh, D Moses asked, "What's your dream interview? Dream book to publish or artist to work with?" Um, also shout out to David cause he's been doing stuff with strangers since the second issue and has been the most consistent contributor going forward and, you know, continuing to be dream interview. Oh, dream interview. Uh, James O'Barr. Oh, the dude from the that crow. Was, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's been something I've been like, James O'Barr is probably the only person I would like travel to a convention, like go to his table, like introduce myself and be like, can I please interview? Like I would hit like, you know, some real fandom shit to like try and interview him. Are you just like uh, really into the Crow comics or just because yeah, he's like Yeah, I just the- like – I love his style. Like I really love the Crow. Um, like I don't know. It's just like goth sad boy shit. But like yeah. it's just it's – <laughs> I've just only so seen the movies. Good. Yeah, I've never actually read the comics. So they're actually like pretty good? The, I think it's – I think the book is uh, – I like the movie a lot but I think the book is way better. OK. Hell yeah. I might check it out then because uh, I respect also, your taste. It's funny because like in the back of it, he's like, here's my playlist that I, you know, was listening to when I was thinking about my wife getting killed in the car crash. Oh, and it's that's like, real? Like, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like so that book was like written like it was literally like a meditation on him just like getting over his like wife and kid dying. Yeah. Oh, so, fuck, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that super, I heard about, yeah. super angsty and like really like just you're like, fuck, man. Like he's just getting a lot of anger out on that page. But like then in the back of it, he's like, oh, here's my playlist. And it's all like the cure and like codeine and stuff like that. So he like, I just want to talk about music and kind of like pick his brain a little bit about that. I feel like it's been, you know, the crow stuff has been exhausted to death, but I want to kind of pick around some of like the culture of that. He was not the culture, I guess, but like kind of some of the other stuff that supported the crow besides just misery. That right. would be interesting. Yeah. Be like, what's what's your take on the recent Death Rock revival? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be like such a interesting thing that you wouldn't see anywhere else, really. He'd be like, why aren't you asking me about the Crow movie with Jason Momoa? And I'd be like, I don't yeah. give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right. still happening? Like, I, my brother was like <laughs> nah, a, a huge Crow fan, yeah. so he told me that it was happening. It got tanked, unfortunately. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, dream comic to publish? I mean, or artist. Or artist. I mean, like... There's, I have a, a list of people like right now. I've been really obsessed with Ben Marcus, um, and I would love to do a book with him. He does, uh, I think his Instagram's like Goodbye Press. He did that Crisis Zone book. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a Chicago guy. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I love the way his like art looks, and like it just, 
I really want to do something with him. Uh, way early on, and I'm glad he was like kind of pushed me off. I hit like Ryan Holmberg up about doing some translations um, or like, you know, publishing some translated manga. And, you know, at the time I had not done any books. So I'm really glad he was like, yeah, like, you know, why don't you publish a little bit before you, before you do this? Cause I think I was been way over my head, but I was like, you know, I really want to do, um, I really want to do manga. Like, I think like I look at publishers like retrofit where they were like doing a lot of us books, but then they would bring in like really cool Gekiga titles. Um, like I want to be that thing. Like I don't want to just stick to Western comics. The name is yeah. slipping my mind. We were just talking about the book, uh, the Mewtown book. What's that publisher? Uh, they do the Glossolalia book. The Glacier Anthology. Bay. Glacier Bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was just coming up with that. Yeah. I, I, and plus, I mean, in our personal conversations, it seems like you're really into uh, manga. That's really like what you've been collecting and reading recently. So you moving into that avenue isn't really surprising to me if you decide yeah, to do Yeah, I mean, that. You, can, yeah. you can see that in the books I've published. Like, you know, like Jake is not secret in his influences. Like, yeah. he's always posting that stuff. And like a lot of that stuff, you know, I hate to, to kind of put a label on it, but like I feel like a lot of the stuff is like, you know, all these white people being influenced by, by Garo. But like, I, you know, yeah. I like that shit too. Yeah, it you know I have. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. Yeah, Garo rocks. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. So I have. Uh, <clears throat> you, I, you probably don't know this. So I'm like a huge like Ninja Turtle collector guy. Just mm-hmm. one of those weirdos. And uh, a couple years back, I came across uh, this guy on eBay who was selling like uh, old bootleg Chinese comics from like anywhere from like the late '80s into the early '90s. And he had a ton of, like, these different formatted Ninja Turtle comics. Hmm. Uh, And they vary from, like, crude original drawings to, like, just VHS stills with dialogue. It's really bizarre stuff. Have you you talked to – who's your Russian friend? Art Yum? Yes. Have you talked to him about that? Because there was a bunch of, like, like, Russian bootleg Turtles comics as well. Oh, okay. No, I haven't talked to him about that. No. Yeah, like that I'll have stuff. To, like, I'll have to hit him up. It, that stuff was huge for a while, where it was just like all over the place. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, you're good. I mean, yeah, I'll have to ask him about that. Uh, but the, like I said, there's like I want to say the ones that I have. There's like four specific like uh, formats or styles that you can tell were consistently made by the same person or company or whoever's making these. Uh, but I haven't seen a whole lot online about them. Like there's very little, if anything at all online about the history of these things and like who's producing them and translations and that kind of thing. Want to do an article for me? Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe after my move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Have, I mean, uh, JB does come from a, a writing background. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, bulk of my work was writing before I uh, got into the white collar workforce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, that's the type of stuff I love. Is like, you know that that's like the weird part of fandom. Like, I do bootlegs in all my comics, and like, that's I love that shit. Like, I'm happy. I would be happy to talk about that in Strangers. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, after my move, I'll connect with you again once Perfect. I pull them out. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So we can both be, we can be article brothers because I, uh, oh, I yeah. did one too. So yeah, you got to get that in. So uh, there you go. Not a question, but a friend of the show and, uh, you know, Strangers uh, Publishing uh, Mainstay, Jasper Juvenile, uh, said, not a question, <laughs> but tell him to slow down and not burn himself out. Um, 
yeah, I was kind of alluding that earlier. Eddie doesn't stop. He's a machine. So <laughs> Jasper I don't gets know the why. most benefit oh, yeah. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jasper's like, uh, Eddie does all this work for me, and I want him to stop. So. <laughs> That's a very Canadian approach to yeah. something. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. For You know, for some reason in my, my mind, every time I think about uh, Jasper, I, like, I know what he looks like. But for some reason, I keep getting the image of Young Lean in my head. He looks like Young Lean. I think the same thing. <laughs> okay, so I'm not the only one. Okay. <laughs> I just want him to really take that and, and run with it. Yeah, I might start calling him Young Lean. Oh, uh, man. Fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. We need to make a Young Lean shirt with, with Jasper. Jasper's face. <laughs> yes. To add to that, like... Yeah. I don't know if you've seen like the old pictures of, like Jasper like being like super into like Supreme. Like he told us that like he was like I I mean I don't know if he wants to talk about like like Dude, he, he was a hype like, beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a hype beast, but he also did he say this in the interview where he was talking about how he like used to have like the bots to buy Supreme and flip? Holy shit, he did? No, was that in the interview? Or was no, that no, no, no. He was talking about that in the Discord, like how he used that's to just. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say that was that's about to blow my mind if that was the case. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he was, but he was doing that. Yeah, like so. Damn. Um, yeah, ja- street streetwear juvenile Jasper. Um, young young lean <laughs> young lean yeah okay <laughs> young lean <laughs> young juvenile yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, next question though. Pip nose babies ask for strangers. What do you look for in a distro pitch? Uh, so yeah, that's a little different than what you look for in a distro. If someone's going to pitch to you cause you're a busy man, Eddie, like, what do you, what do you recommend? Like if someone wants to pitch something to you, what would you say the best way to do that is? Um, I think you're better off. Like it's, it's kind of annoying cause like, I don't want anyone to like lose you know, lose books, but like, I think it is way easier if I actually get physical copies of it. Cause then I can also see like quality of the book as well. Um, it, you know, just send me something physical. I, I read everything and I, if I don't accept it for the distro, you still get a review in strangers. So like, I always try to cover everything that I'm given, you know, even if it's just one title that's sent to me, um, for better or worse for my time, um, you know, everything does get a little review. So, that's really the biggest thing. It's like, just send me a physical copy. Um, and you know, let me know in advance. There's a few people that like, just kind of have my address on file and they'll just send me stuff. And, uh, I don't know if they're going to hear this, but I'm moving in two months. So you might want to hit me up for a new address, but yeah, there you go. Moving brothers. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, JB, we love it. We love moving. Yeah. Moving (laughs) packing shit up always. Great. As comic fans, uh, we love packing boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carrying 28 boxes of books that pull your back out. It's great. Yeah, I'm so stressed out about having to move. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my anxiety is like uh, I have a lot of plastic bins. I have like probably 40. Jesus. Maybe. They're, and they're like not the small ones. They're like the big the ones. The Rubbermaid, like just, the giant ones? Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. And they're like filled with toys. And I'm just like, I really should have gotten Where just Where do you the, hide the all that? I've been to your place. Colors. <laughs> Yeah. Instead of getting the clear ones where people can just clearly see my shame. <laughs> well, I've like all the movers are judging me. <laughs> no, but for real, like I've I've been to your place. I've never seen forty storage containers of toys. Where do you hide that shit? Or is this like the, you bought it for around. the move? 
No, nah, no, no, no. They move around. Like, uh, <laughs> at one point they were in my studio, and then later I moved them to, like, this, like, front area that I never use. Yeah. And I just stacked them in there, and yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's very embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I miss that. Uh, anyway, a <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Nate Garcia Cartoons, uh, he asks, uh, yeah. what's your biggest pet peeve, and what you have a break? Uh, and what did you have for breakfast today? Uh, I, he, what are you going to say about Nate? I, I was going to say, he really likes asking people about their breakfast. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know if that's a thing that he just does or what. Uh, but, uh, he asks in the Discord a lot and posts pictures of his breakfast, so I think he's, he's just... He's a big breakfast yeah, boy. Yeah, he's a breakfast dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I can appreciate that. It's the most important meal of the day, so I guess he wants to know. True, true. I have the same thing for breakfast every morning, and my girlfriend always yells at me because it's... Uh, I drink a yerba mate for breakfast, and that's it. And I... Hell yeah. Eat lunch. I... Uh, Biggest pet peeve, I'm like I'm actually rather impatient, um, so I really like doing things kind of on my own. I hate like I hate waiting around for things and like people are just like I hate slowness. Like that's really what it comes down to. And you got into comics? Sorry, yeah, it's funny. I just got diagnosed with ADHD. I was like, that makes so much fucking sense. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Hello. I'm right here. Yeah, we're here. Hell yeah. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. That's all Alrighty. I had. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Nate, if you want to know what I had for breakfast, um, I had, what did I have today? Today is Thursday. Oh, I went to Trader Joe's and did shopping this morning, so I got one of their uh, breakfast burritos from the refrigerator. They're really good. <laughs> nice. I don't eat breakfast. I skip breakfast. Really? Oh, yeah. So. You just get a big lunch or? Yeah, I have a moderate lunch and a big dinner, and that does it okay. for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you, like, counting macros and shit since you train or no? Fuck no. Okay, Aubrey, okay. We, <laughs> I didn't tell you this, but we spent, like, maybe 10 minutes just talking about his regimen and his diet because, <laughs> you know, a friend of the show, Mark, asked him <laughs> about that, and I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. We're really going to get into worms, it. So. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Did we ask the Tom Nisha question? Oh, did Tom get a already? question? Oh, dude, we haven't even gotten to Discord questions yet. Holy shit. All right. Er- I'm going to ask this one then. Yeah. This is going to be a long one. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tom Nisha asked, bit of a lame one, but if he could have a Dream Strangers drop of any book throughout history, what- wait, we've already fucking asked this question. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Discord user Schwelp asked, out of all the peeps you published, who's the best in your eyes? We all know the answer. Mm. <laughs> I want to know who he Damn. thinks who he thinks the answer is. He's probably thinking uh, it's juvenile. I mean, probably. I hate mm. to say it, like Jasper is really fucking good. And yeah, I don't want to give him, give him more <laughs> more air in that head. Uh, <laughs> no, he's like the most humble person on earth. Totally. Uh, I I won't say my the best because I I really think that's like not possible but like my favorite book genuinely like and this has nothing to do with any of the others but like trench coat which is the book we just i just put out like in april is my favorite book i've done um you know like jasper already had an audience before we did dynamite diva 3 like you know pat's been in comics for for a while jared's been jared's had an audience for a while like fucking jamie hewlett posted him on instagram he's doing okay uh but like I found Jake when he had, you know, he had like 500 followers and like, you know, we, we really kind of like helped grow each other. And like, you know, he had never done a book before and he was like, you know, that was like the first creator. I feel like I really was like, you know, he's like 
born and raised through strangers. So like, that's my favorite book because it just like, you know, he's, he started off in the magazine and then he went to this book and it did really well and it looks fucking amazing. And that's definitely my favorite one. Hell yeah. All right. Oh, Tom did have a question. You want to ask that one? Yeah. So Tom Nishal, friend of the show asked, uh, I know he's dived into all of this semi recently. So what was the book that really set him off down his current path? I, I think in terms of that, it's probably Diva three. Cause that was the first one. I was like, Oh, like I'm doing really cool, uh, you yeah. know, really cool genre comics, um, that look fucking awesome. And I'm cultivating this really cool audience that like appreciates them. And after that, I was like, all right, like this is the vision that I'm going to go with. Hmm. Hell Yeah. All right. That dude's uh, name is Corey Roberts, by the way. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck, I hate that shit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Discord user Curvy Roberts asked, ask him what it, <clears throat> ask him what I need to do to start Strangers North for Canadians, or like what would be the bare bones setup for a distro? Um, books. well and i will say this eddie has the cheapest international shipping in the game allegedly (laughs) so yeah i i mean like that's i i don't know like i i I don't know how to answer this question like you know you just got to reach out to a publisher and like say you know like hey i'm a distro and you know i'd like to buy x amount of copies of your book and sell them online that's really kind of it like you just got to have a little bit of money to to buy wholesale yeah or just you know tell some creators that you want to carry their book um i think it's going to be you know i wouldn't start with just one title because that's kind of pointless but i would try to accumulate a few things Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense i don't really have a good answer for that one that was a good answer you're good cool that that was good yeah our fans don't don't need really good answers it's okay (laughs) thoughtful and introspective just fart right into the microphone (laughs) all righty so um good friend of the show dylan drug dogs uh wrote in with a a multiple parter uh of course connecticut pizza no questions in particular just talk about it like why should people try it like you know rank it comparatively to new york or chicago and also death threat or a hundred demons uh first off there's no comparison like you know connecticut pizza is the best uh specifically he's talking about new haven pizza which is like a wood fire which is you know that's kind of always a comparison is like which is better um if you ask the barstool man i think he said modern might be best in new haven um my rankings are sally's zupardi's and then modern uh it's just like thin crust and like a little floppy and you know it's got that charred bottom and it's just perfect so there's actually like mm. a pizza scene in new haven like i've never heard of that before, oh hell so. yeah it's like if you go on, if you like look up like best pizza in the country like people always be like new haven is the best pizza in the country like oh, the, shit. wow the, the dude from like like the owner of barstool uh he like does that like pizza review show and like new haven got really put on the map when he came through and like reviewed all the pizza spots down in new haven like he like he came on twitter like a month or two ago and he's like new haven's the best pizza in the country and like he's been kind of hyping it up for a while i've Um, seen those videos yeah he like takes like one bite and then he gives like a score or whatever yeah yeah and then he then he explains why unions are bad exactly (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna go with uh hundred demons uh because i haven't gotten a concussion at a hundred demon show but i have it a death <laughs> <show>. <laughs> so 
<laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh damn. Okay. Uh, next question. Leon Taco uh, Cat. Uh, yes. Also from the Discord, Leon Taco Cat Noel asked, "Are there any good Connecticut cartoonists?" We kind of went over this. Um, you know, it's funny. Like Paul Kirchner's from New Haven, or yeah, he's from New Haven. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, like, mainstream, like, cartoonist. He was on Daredevil for a while. His name's Ron Garney. He did that Berserker yeah. book, actually. Yeah, he's yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, he's from New Haven as well. Uh, so those are, like, big names. And then, uh, you know, like, some smaller names, uh, Sophia Gaia, Ryan Alves, Odd, and Eben. Uh, I don't know his real name, but his Instagram's, like, Carnelius. Uh, he's he's pretty good himself. I've not read any of his comics, but like his illustrations are really cool. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is not exactly what they're asking for, but like Fairfield County had like a really rich history of like you know like Sunday strips and like newspaper strips cartoonists. There was like a bunch of really interesting articles written about um like the like newspapers cartoon scene uh in new haven or sorry in in fairfield county and like i can't remember any of the names but you know i think vanity fair like did a whole cover piece about it and then people have kind of come in and out like bill sinkevich lived in connecticut uh fanographics was based in connecticut for a while and then um i don't know i've only heard this like anecdotally I, i don't know exactly where it was but supposedly dc used to have a house um like it was a home that like a bunch of women lived in in like I think this was like during the Silver Age and I think they either did inking or they cut color separations and that was their whole job they all lived together and just cut color separations for DC um, and that was in in Connecticut as well so like it's got wow. a weird hist- it's got a weird history with comics okay hell yeah hmm. so um, I never heard of that DC thing that's pretty crazy. I might be totally fucking off. I can't find anywhere about it. And I heard it in some YouTube video and I've not been able to find any proof about it. No, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Eddie, notorious liar. Yeah, making, yeah. absolutely making shit up. I mean, I, the only reason why I say I wouldn't be surprised is I watched the Junji Ito uh, Monbin and he, uh, his mother-in-law and his wife cut all his screen tones and fill his inks. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of like assembly line process that exactly. was like passed off to some of the dude's wives or something like that um, back in the day. You know, something like that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, next question comes from uh, other, you know, the previously mentioned uh, Connecticut cartoonist Ryan Alves. Uh, Ryan asks, what's the daily look like a year into quarantine between day jobs, strangers, or comics, and general existence? And uh, like Nate, he asked about breakfast. Uh, but he asked uh, – let me retake that because he – yeah, sorry. He said this is to everyone. So, hang on. Let me retake that. All righty. Next question comes from uh, just mentioned Connecticut cartoonist Ryan Alves from the d- – oh, fuck. <laughs> Here, just start over yeah. just take a pause all righty next question comes from our discord from uh you know the previously mentioned ryan alves uh ryan asks us all what's the daily look like a year into quarantine between your day job strangers or comics and general existence um i'll start this one um i'm unemployed so my daily fucking rocks um <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm working on comics more than ever um, I mean, for it being such a bleak time in uh, world history, I mean, we've been saying this on the show. It, it just rocks. I wake up when I want to wake up, take the dogs out. Usually I'm an early riser. Um, and uh, 
I'm one of those people that, you know, I'll go weeks without working on comics. So it really just depends on if I'm working on something. Uh, recently, I have been working on stuff and uh, I try to do like a, like a, a nine to four schedule and take a break for lunch where I just work on comics. And if I really need to, I'll buckle down and do some work at night. Nice. Yeah, you like uh, we were DMing at like 7 a.m. this morning. Like, yeah, I wake really... up at like, yeah, five or six, man. <laughs> Yeah, Cam has like the wackiest schedule, honestly. Yeah, it's like I, I'm in bed like midnight to five, midnight to six, and that's you're wild. Yeah, <laughs> um, sometimes I'll fall asleep at like eight or nine, mode. though, you know, and get my full eight hours that way. But if I'm well, yeah, sometimes you'll take a nap and then wake back up at like two in the morning yeah. and just fuck off for <laughs> hours. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that. Do you want me to go? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I. I work a full-time job, so I usually my full-time job is like nine to five. I work from home, and I've I actually even before pandemic, I was still working from home. So like, it fortunately wasn't a big change for me. Nice. Uh, but like, I work nine to five, and then I'll stop at five, and then probably work on strangers from like five to ten, and then um, you know I do that every day until the weekend, and then I try not to work on the weekends. So like, I'll usually work like. 13 hours a day if you count like working on the magazine and i'll just do that every day it's insane man i also try to take weekends off too um i haven't been recently but when i am in like a schedule i like to take weekends off it's something about like a mentality of just like knowing you have like an end goal and there's gonna be like two days off or something like that yeah i mean like i always usually spend my my weekends with my girlfriend and like i just don't like she's she's so supportive of strangers and like you know, like, well, let me talk about it forever and ever, probably to a point where she's definitely annoyed by it, but like, doesn't ever say anything. And like, you know, she'll help me pack orders and this and that. So like the least I can do for not only my mental health, but like also her is just like, try not to work on the weekends and just like, you know, give my attention to her and, and, and spend time with that, her that way. But, you know, for some reason, Sundays, everyone, uh, Everyone in comics like really likes to, to do shit on Sundays. So I always get a lot of questions on Sundays about stuff. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, my schedule is pretty similar to Cam's because uh, also I've been unemployed since March of last year. Mm-hmm. And so I've been just kind of jumping from project to project. And I think I've taken like maybe one or two weeks where, where I was not doing anything and not working uh, and not drawing nothing, just kind of fucking off. But beyond that, I try to do. At minimum, a page a day, whether it be a page of pencils or a page of inking and dialogue or sorry, lettering and et cetera. But yeah, I I try to keep busy. And and the podcast also keeps me busy enough on top of that, too. So uh, it's it's just doing pages, doing illustrations, editing the podcast. And I'll do that until like uh, around midnight or one. And then I'll just, I don't know, smoke a lot of weed and watch something for an hour, maybe two hours, and then go to bed. Hell yeah. And, and then I, you know, also I'm working out, but I'm not working out as often as I used to. Nice. Alrighty. So, uh, Tom asked about Connecticut bands, but I feel, do you want to get into that? Yeah. I'm just going to list a bunch of Connecticut bands. Okay. Uh, that are really sick. Alrighty. So, oh, Josh actually had another question. Alrighty. So, uh, Josh Pettinger snuck another question in there. Uh, describe your ideal Sneaky. Sunday. Sneaky British. Uh, ideal Sunday. You know, I, I actually do like to wake up early. Um, like I mentioned, I usually spend my my weekends with my girlfriend. So, 
you know, we'll wake up kind of early and kind of shoot out to we're spending a lot of time like Hudson Valley, New York, which is like two hours north of us. And we'll just kind of spend the day hiking or like we usually like to have slower days sometimes. So like, I'll, you know, I'll make us breakfast and then we'll like spend the day like reading or something like that. Or I like I like a light Sunday, you know, that Christmas yeah. offers song Sunday morning coming down. Mm-hmm. You know, the Maroon 5 song Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking banger. <laughs> It actually is. I like that song. That album rocks. Dude, the first Maroon 5 album is good. Yeah. So good. So fucking good. Yo, what fuck your death metal right shit. Rocks. That album fucking yeah. rules. What the fuck is happening right Everything now? else I can't speak for, but that first album, it does rock. Yeah. I'll talk to JB about uh, Two Mold and whatever shit he wants to talk about, but Maroon 5, yo, Maroon 5, so, that yeah, first album is so, so good. Songs about Jane. I'm a yeah. songs about Jane apologist. You know, I'll ride yep. for that one to this day. Yeah, good I shit. My other hear. one, Counting Crows yeah. for album front to back flawless i I don't know that one but i'll take your word flawless i know mr uh (laughs) crows was mr jones or was that hootie and the blowfish that's mr jones that's kenny crows okay hell yeah all righty uh so speaking of music uh do you want to get the last question jb or you just go ahead and ask it yeah 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 i'll get to it yeah all right speaking of music tom also asked us another question uh he asked are there any good Uh, they asked, are there any good Connecticut bands? I know the answer. I just want to hear him get excited about Hatebreed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hatebreed, uh, you know, you're, if you're from Connecticut, you're born liking it. Uh, I I mean, my roommate doesn't like Hatebreed, but, you know, maybe he's got a low T count or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I, I genuinely think Connecticut has probably the uh, – one of the best music scenes in the country, like, you know, from, from hardcore to, to indie music, like, you know, there's some of the, be- especially hardcore, like there's some of the best bands to really ever do it. Like even, you know, like wide awake, hundred demons, death threat, pale horse, uh, hate breed, modern bands, restraining order, anxious. Um, then like in the indie scene, there's like, you know, jettison, make doing mend, uh, my heart to joy. And then like, genuinely like one of my favorite like not connecticut like just all time uh is like this band from connecticut called call it arson and like they're just they've i don't understand how they never got bigger um but like they're just the best band like i spent like hours today just like listening to live videos from them like i'm just they're just so fucking good connecticut scene is just the, it rocks are you still are going they, to shows actively well i mean I, before the pandemic so I used to book shows for like 10 years um, and I played in bands forever as well. Um, and then like, as soon as I started my job at Reed, I kind of started like getting out of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just like finished college and it started getting busier. Um, so I stopped booking shows then. I, I think the last show I went to, I, well, I saw Dinosaur Jr. over the summer. They did like this like outdoor thing at a farm that was like socially distant. So I went to see Dinosaur Jr. Um, but the show that I went to before that was like Octo- even like before pandemic it was like in October and that was a uh, ceremony and choir boy. Oh, but, hell yeah. What a yeah, gig. It was, it was, it's actually, I'm wearing this shirt from it right now. Um, yeah, it was, that was like the last show I'd been to in a while, but I, I haven't been doing much really. I still try to like support where I can. Nice. JB, I feel like I cut you off before you're, before I asked that. Oh, I, I was just going to ask. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's get to the next question because we, we're running like an hour and 30 now. That's it. Uh, 
That's it. Did Josh? Did we already ask the Josh Pettinger question? Yeah, what's his Sunday? His ideal Sunday? No, 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 no. But the bottom of that, Tom, I once got it. Oh no, that's not a yeah, question. Yeah. It's just him Josh? talking. Yeah, it's just Josh. Can you hear us? Yeah, I cut out for a second. Sorry. Oh, okay. No, you're good. Oh, it's all good. So, yeah, so that's it. If you want to take us home, bro. All right. Well, that does it for questions. And so we are at the end of our interview. Yeah. Uh, so before we get out of here, Eddie, uh, <laughs> where can everybody find you online? Plug your shit. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's strangers underscore fanzine. And then unfortunately, Twitter doesn't let you have that long of a handle. So it's just strangers underscore zine. Uh, and then big cartels, strangers fanzine.bigcartel.com. Uh, you know, the links in all my social media bios as well. It's really about Very it. cool. Awesome. Huh? I thought that was about it. Hell yeah. Yeah, that, that works. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, Eddie, really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking to us about Stranger Zines and all, all the good things that you guys do over there. And I'm excited to see the uh, what the future holds uh, uh, for uh, Strangers. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person that has that sentiment at this point. Yeah. No, same here. Uh, <clears throat> for sure. Thank you guys. You know. Yeah, no, yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I know we've been talking about it for a while. Glad to finally yeah. do it. And uh, you know, for our listeners out there, uh, you know, you can find us and support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. Uh, we upload two additional episodes a month, and you can also subscribe to our print zine pimp digest. And uh, you know, as always, I'm Cam Del Rosario, my co-host JB Rowe. Uh, we appreciate you all and all the support we've gotten recently, and uh, stay gutter. Mm-hmm.